Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, a victory in the fight to end veteran homelessness in Minnesota, some surprising local housing market trends, and Minnesota's own Adam Thielen scores big with the Vikings and the hometown fans. But first... A long-term funding increase for roads, bridges, and maybe mass transit is officially back on Minnesota lawmakers' plate now that Republicans in both the House and Senate have rolled out their plans. What happens from here? MNN's Bill Werner talked with Hamlin University analyst David Schultz. Professor, now, now that we've got these stakes uh, driven in the ground or the lines drawn in the sand or whatever ever other metaphor you want to use on, on transportation, uh, everybody knows now, at least in, in fairly good terms, I think, what the Senate uh, Republicans are proposing, what the House Republicans are, oppose, are proposing, and of course we know where the governor stands on this. Um, do you, what do you see the prospects uh, being for this legislative session of actually getting something significant done on transportation? Well, right now, the prospects do not look good because they're as far apart today as they were last year. That's what's really interesting because even though it's a brand new session, we've had an election in between, and you think that sometimes it might change things, we're probably no closer than we are today than we were a year ago when last year was supposed to be the session about transportation um, and funding. And so right now, things don't look good. Of course, relatively speaking, there's still about two months to go in the regular session, and lots of things can happen. Um, but, but right now, we are back to where we were approximately one year ago. And, and what we have, essentially, is Governor Dayton saying, and, and a number of Democrats saying, gas tax increase of some sort is what is necessary to inject enough new money into the, the system so that there can be some significant uh, addressing of Minnesota's transportation needs. And the Republicans saying, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to take a combination of existing revenues. And now in the case of, uh, of, the, uh, of the Minnesota House, uh, they're, they're proposing a significant amount of bonding to take care of uh, uh, the, the problem. How, how, do, how do we get out of this? Yeah, in many ways, this is actually a continuation of something that even goes back to Governor, you know, Governor Pawlenty era. Um, right. In some sense, is that we have the Republicans who are pretty fixed on saying they're not going to support any type of increases in the gas tax. And the last time that vote happened in terms of Republicans voting in favor of of some gas taxes, those Republicans were essentially ousted from their party um, and ostracized. And so. So, and in many ways, this is almost a decade-old old position that's really cemented here. All I can think at this point is that, given that it is a Republican House and Senate um, who may be facing re-election, that at least the House is going to be facing election in 18, versus Governor Dayton is not facing election in 18, um, I can see a couple of different possibilities. Possibility one um, is that is that nothing happens. At the end of the day, they still pass nothing whatsoever, um, and we take this into the 2018 um, session and perhaps into the 2018 elections. Other possibility um, is that the governor is willing to say that I'm going to veto these existing bills, and in fact, I might veto something else 
um, and force us into special session and perhaps even run the risk of, of, a, um, of government shutdown because I think Governor Dayton really wants this as his last fix. You know, he got several other what I think were important fixes um, for him um, during his term as governor in terms of some tax increases, in terms of more spending, spending for, for education. I think infrastructure is the last battle, and given the fact he's not running again and his lieutenant governor is not running, I think he might be willing to dig in on this issue, and that will be interesting to see if that moves anybody. So really really what you're talking about is very much of a global kind of a lockup here. Uh, in other words, not only transportation, but the other elements of the budget that the governor and Republicans are quite far apart on. And I think that's a possibility. Uh, you know, whether or not the governor will ultimately you know, do that, uh, I don't know. But, but I would say at this point, given the fact that he has nothing to lose politically by doing this, um, and that he has everything to gain um, if he were to go go with this kind of a battle, as well as the Democrats, actually, because, again, they're the minority party in the House. Um, they're not going to get blamed for this if there's a shutdown. Instead, um, they can blame it on the, the failure of Republicans to move. And, you know, in, in terms of high-stakes issues all converging or coalescing, We've got another issue in the mix, and that's real ID that's, that is not resolved as well, and that's got a deadline associated with it. Does that go into the, into the mix, too, do you think? Potentially. I could, see the, I could see the real ID, the transportation spending, and, let's say, the overall budget being tied together in terms of some global strategy that the governor might try to use. I mean, all of this is clearly possible. Uh, I mean, we're still speculating. You know, we still have two months to go in the regular session. Right. But I see nothing at this point that moves anybody um, unless at some point the governor basically says that getting a, you know, a, a, a partial loaf, at least getting some money on transportation is better than nothing. But I'm not sure he's convinced that that is enough of a fix. That's Hamlin University professor David Schultz. And Scott is with just about everything at the Minnesota State Capitol currently, and probably in Congress also. We'll just have to wait and see. Thank you, Bill. I'll be back with a look at veterans' homelessness in Minnesota after this. Sometimes a simple idea can be developed into something big that can change the world. This is Katy Perry. In fourth grade, my music teacher helped me make a vision board. It was a collage that represented all of my hopes and aspirations in music. But what if my teacher didn't have the supplies we needed to make our collages? What if I never got the chance to learn and express my dreams? Unfortunately, that's the reality our teachers face every day. They're forced to spend their own money, sometimes just to keep the classroom running. That's why I'm teaming up again with Staples for Students to donate $1 million to DonorsChoose.org, a charity that helps teachers get what they need to bring learning to life for students. DonorsChoose.org has helped fulfill more than 700,000 classroom projects benefiting more than 18 million students. It's an idea that's changing the world. It's easy to help. Donate in Staples stores or learn more at StaplesForStudents.org. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Officials this week announced that there's been significant progress toward the goal of ending veterans' homelessness in Minnesota. I recently spoke with the state director to prevent and end homelessness, Kathy Tenbrook, about what's working and what more needs to be done to get our homeless vets some help. Southwest Minnesota and the 18 counties that are represented in Southwest Minnesota have reached a really important benchmark uh, for our statewide goal of preventing and ending veteran homelessness in Minnesota. So they have um, been verified by the federal government as having met that goal. And what that means is that that community and those communities within Southwest Minnesota have a response now to any veteran's housing crisis. Um, in order to help prevent a veteran from becoming homeless. And if they do become homeless, they have a quick housing response and they are ensuring that they're connected to the kinds of support services they need. So um, they have, they've met the goal of ending veteran homelessness in southwest Minnesota, and we have about six more regions, five more regions of the state that are poised to be able to announce that soon as well. So we're making great progress. And Kathy, can you tell me a little bit about how you were able to achieve that goal in the Southwest region? What exactly went into that? Absolutely. So the state of Minnesota has an interagency council on homelessness, and this is made up of 11 commissioners of 11 different state agencies and the governor's office and the chair of the Met Council. So it's a very um, strong body that has really been driving our work on preventing and ending homelessness in Minnesota over the last few years. And the Department of Veterans Affairs is a part of that council. We very clearly named the goal when we created our statewide plan to end homelessness that we wanted to eliminate veteran homelessness all across the state. And in order to do that, one of the strategies we put in place was something called a veteran registry. And so the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs developed this registry, which is essentially a tool, a data tool, that allows us to um, identify veterans, get them onto this registry. It's voluntary, so of course it's up to the veteran if they want to participate. But when they do that, they give partners permission to sit around a, a table and talk about what that veteran wants and needs, what they're eligible for, what the community has to offer that veteran, and essentially end each veteran's homelessness on a person-by-person basis using the resources at hand. And by doing that, just having that tool and having that process in place, we tripled the rate of housing veterans uh, once that tool was launched. What What's the most recent information we have on, on how many homeless veterans we have in Minnesota? So the homeless registry is our is our most up to date data tool that we that we use for counting veterans and identifying veterans. And since we launched the tool in December of 2014. We've housed over 850 veterans all across the state. There are only 196 veterans left on that registry that we have been able to identify. Now, granted, that doesn't mean that there won't be additional veterans added as they are identified. But at this moment in time, 196 veterans statewide who still need connection to a permanent housing option. And just so listeners have a little bit of context here, what are what are some of the contributing factors for how uh, our servicemen and women end up returning and being homeless? Absolutely. So oftentimes um, people will return from service and have trauma, have disconnection from a support network, um, 
maybe have difficulty getting back into the workforce. And so it can be simply an economic issue where a veteran just simply does not earn enough money anymore to be able to afford the housing that's available. This is true not just for veterans, but for many, many people across the state of Minnesota. Housing is just out of reach. The vacancy rate is very tight, and so the small amount of housing that is available is, um, is very expensive. To complicate matters, um, sometimes veterans also, because of trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, other issues that that veteran may be going through, they may have um, difficulty obtaining a job. They also may have something on their criminal record um, from the past that will prevent a landlord from wanting to rent to them. And so all of these factors can really combine to make it particularly difficult for veterans to get connected to housing. Um, so one of the things, in fact, for the 196 veterans that are left to find housing for, our biggest challenge is finding landlords who are willing to rent to those veterans because of factors on their, maybe they don't have much of a rental history or maybe uh, they have a criminal background, something on their record that that landlord is um, nervous about. And so that's been our biggest challenge. We actually have, in many cases, all of the housing supports ready to go to support that veteran, and we simply just need the landlord. And uh, so are there incentives to, to try to encourage landlords to be willing to house some of these uh, folks? Yeah, I think there's a couple there's a couple incentives involved. One is that working with um, a veteran who is on this veteran registry, that veteran is going to come with a level of support uh, that many people in just the general population wouldn't come with. And so that, that landlord can feel assured that that veteran's going to be connected to a support system uh, once they get into housing. There are many, many landlords simply that also just don't know that we have this uh, registry in place that they could be a part of actually helping to end homelessness for our men and women who serve this country. And so any landlord who wants to participate, be a part of this, can call 1-888-LINK-VET, that's our number statewide, 1-888-LINK-VET, and say that they're a landlord and they'd like to support a veteran and, and we will work to get them connected. That's also the same number that any concerned community member can call if they see a veteran that needs assistance or uh, a veteran themselves can use that number as well. Kathy, thank you so much for your time. You've been very generous with it. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Minnesota Matters will return after this. As a young teenage boy, I didn't even know what autism was. How do you even spell that? A few years later, I heard that a friend's cousin's son had been diagnosed with autism. I still wasn't sure what that really meant. When I went to college, my roommate's brother had autism. When I moved to the city for work, my best friend called me and told me his son had been diagnosed with autism. We were both in shock. I still remember the day I walked into the house and saw that look on my wife's face. I knew something was wrong. I'll never forget how I felt when she said, our son has autism. Autism is getting closer to home. Today, one in 110 children is diagnosed with autism. That's a 600% increase in the last 20 years. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Son, uh, can you hand me that big screwdriver? This one, Dad? 
Uh, no, that's a wrench. Uh, I need the long one close to your foot. Why? Uh, because I need to loosen a screw. Why? Because I have to change the oil filter. Why? I love you! <laughs> the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Alright. Now pass me the new filter. Why? Ha <laughs> <laughs> very funny. <laughs> Take time to be a dad today. For more information, dial 1-877-432-3411 or visit us at www.fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The real estate industry is prepping for a strong spring home buying season. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. The housing market is gearing up for a strong home buying season this spring, despite rising home prices, low inventory, and the increasing chance of a rate hike. Today I'll be talking with a couple of housing experts on both home sales and foreclosure rates. Joining me now is Ed Nelson with the Minnesota Home Ownership Center. Ed, how many homes were lost to foreclosure last year? There were 5,306 foreclosures in Minnesota in 2016, which while that sounds like a, a fairly large number, that's actually about 26% uh, fewer than in 2015, which was actually a very good year as well. Basically, since our Twin Peaks, the worst two years of our foreclosure crisis in Minnesota, 2008 and 2010, we've been on a downward trend to this point here, which is the lowest rate of foreclosures, or the lowest number of foreclosures we've seen um, uh, since we started collecting the data in 2006. And, you know, wanted to visit with you, obviously, when any foreclosure is one too many. Um, and if there's someone out there that, that is struggling, any advice for them? You know, the, the advice is what we've always given, even during the height of the crisis. Don't wait to seek out help. There's a network of nonprofit organizations throughout the state of Minnesota that are ready, willing, and able to help work with you and your lender to find a solution that is um, affordable going forward. And that network of free providers can be found at our website, at the Homeownership Center's website, at www.hocmn.com. Org. Homeownership Center Minnesota is what that stands for. And I think I had saw a statistic, was it over 17,000 households received a pre-foreclosure notice, but that number ended up being 5,000. So is this an example of those folks uh, seeking out help from, from people like yourself? That's exactly right. You know, there, in, in the state of Minnesota, there's a requirement for before a lender can foreclose, they must send a pre-foreclosure notice. Not everyone is going to fall into foreclosure, even if they receive a pre-foreclosure notice. Some self-correct, uh, they had just fallen behind, etc. Others are being very proactive about seeking out help, either directly with their lender or through our nonprofit network. And some people are, are self-correcting by selling the property as well. Our property values have increased in Minnesota, where people who are struggling, one of their solutions might be to sell the property to be able to come back into homeownership successfully in the future. Well, lots of great information. Ed, anything else you want to add that maybe I didn't bring up today? No, no, just to remind people that um, seeking out help, the sooner that a consumer can seek out help, the more options they have available to them.
Joining me now is Chris Galler, Executive Director of the Minnesota Association of Realtors. Chris, spring has sprung. How is the housing market looking? Well, we're looking we're looking good and looking bad going into spring, which is an odd an odd way to sum up the marketplace. Price wise, uh, they're going up, so those people that own homes right now are doing very well. Uh, buying wise, right now we're really lacking inventory. There just isn't enough homes on the market to satisfy the demand that's out there, and that's really what's driving the price increases at this point. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, the median home sales price? Sure. Statewide, it's at plus 7.8%, and the median indicates the midpoint of homes. So there's as many homes priced above that as below that. And then um, you were talking about low inventory, so that's kind of a win-win for uh, the seller, but perhaps maybe not so much for the buyer? Yeah, for the buyer, it makes it, it, makes it rather in- difficult, and it can also make it actually difficult for the seller which is one of the reasons that we believe that there is an inventory shortage right now and that a lot of people are afraid that if they put their homes on the market, it's going to sell. And the market indicates it'll sell pretty quickly, but they're afraid they won't find a replacement property because there just isn't enough inventory. So what seems to be a positive actually ends up being a a market force negative. To give an idea on the shortage of homes, we have 4,700 homes fewer homes on the market today than we did at this point last year, and it's 7,500 fewer homes than what we had in 2015 in February. So it's a lot of home uh, homes that we need in order to fill that void. And is this concentrated in the Twin Cities area, or are we seeing this statewide? It's worse in the Twin Cities than it is in other parts, although we're seeing it in the St. Cloud and in the Rochester marketplaces. Uh, and there's a number of other areas where it's it's lower. It's just not as bad as that 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 kind of crescent area from St. Cloud through the Twin Cities, which is the worst, and then down into Rochester. Well, lots of good information, uh, Chris. Anything else you wanted to add today? No, I think a lot of people are wondering about interest rates. We've gotten some calls about that from consumers, and we do anticipate that interest rates will go up this spring. The reason is, one, the Fed increased it, but that's a small percentage of it. The biggest increase reason will be because demand goes up, and as demand goes up, then prices always go up. Thanks again to both of my guests, Ed Nelson with the Minnesota Home Ownership Center and Chris Galler, Executive Director of the Minnesota Association of Realtors. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. One of Minnesota's own will stay in the state for a little while longer. And what a story he has to tell. Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen grew up in Detroit Lakes, was a star college football player at Division II Minnesota State Mankato, and was not drafted by any NFL team. In fact, he was given an invite to try out with the Vikings along with dozens of others just to see if they'd like him to come to training camp. They liked what they saw, and he performed. Performed well enough in his first few years as a special team standout to make the team. But each year, there were questions as to if he'd make it another season. Not anymore. MN Sports Director Mike Grimm has the story. Scott Adam Thielen had what they call a breakout season last year. In his third year with the Vikings, he recorded 69 catches for 967 yards and five touchdowns. And now earlier this week, the team announced it had signed Thielen to a three-year contract. Reports indicate Thielen will earn a guaranteed $11 million and could make as much as $18 million during the life of the deal. Not bad for a guy from northern Minnesota. Nothing really feels any different, honestly. You know, I, you know, I, I really nothing has changed. You know, I still feel the same way about my training. I feel the same way about coming in next year with a lot to prove. And uh, the money hasn't hit my bank account yet, so not, nothing's changed there yet either. So, But yeah, no, I mean, obviously it's great to have the security. He says this does change things, though, as he heads into Mankato and training camp. The biggest thing for me would be I can just go into training camp without uh, being able to just straightly, straight focus on football. And, uh, you know, especially this year, not, not having to worry about outside things. So um, I think that's probably the most the thing I'm most excited about is just to be able to go into training camp for the first time in my career with just being able to play football and, and try to be try to help this football team win as many games as possible. Thielen says he's ready to help this Vikings team do just that. You know, now that I have the school to stay motivated and all that, I mean, I think there's a lot, um, a lot of unfinished business for me personally and as a team. So I think there's a lot of motivation in that themselves. That um, I think there's still a lot of people that don't uh, believe in me, and and you know, obviously I love uh, proving people wrong and. Obviously, just helping the football team uh, win games any possible any possible way I can. He says knowing he has a secure role with the Vikings now is big to him. You know, the, the end goal of winning a championship and, and bringing a championship to Minnesota, um, I think that's a motivation in, in itself. And um, I think that, you know, the pieces that we've been able to put together this offseason and, and uh, hopefully in the draft, uh, I think, I think uh, we're pretty excited about what, what could be done here in Minnesota. Thielen says he was never too nervous about not being a Viking during this restricted free agent process. I really wouldn't say it was stressful for me. Um, I think the, the, you know, the toughest part is just not knowing uh, what was going to happen, uh, whether I was going to have to play out a one-year deal or whether we are going to get something uh, worked out. But, um, you know, it really wasn't too stressful for me. I was just really focused on um, my family, obviously, and, and, and just training and making sure that uh, I'm coming in next year no matter what what deal I have, uh, coming in the best shape and the best football player I possibly can be. Thielen says he believes he can be an inspiration to players from smaller colleges. You know, there's a few guys at our gym right now that um, are training. I think um, a lot of their motivation is, is, you know, they've seen what I've done, and um, I think they think, you know, maybe maybe I can do that. I can be the next next guy to do that. And uh, even I'm down here in, in photo right now, actually, um, training with with a bunch of guys, and you know, there's a, a guy that came up to me and and really just kind of stuck to my story, and, and he's probably going to be in a similar situation. He's coming out this year, and uh, he was just basically just wanted wanted to pick my brain and see how I did it, and, and he wants to do the similar thing. So I think it's a a cool thing because I think there's a lot of guys out there that can play play at this level, and and uh, you know, sometimes they might be discouraged because they come from a small school or 
or a tough situation. But, you know, it, it's nice to see guys at least trying it uh, for a year and really just giving it a shot because, you know, obviously none of this would have been possible if I, if I went to have given it a shot when I did. Thielen says he's fulfilled his lifelong dream to play in the NFL, and he never lost complete hope, even early in those days where he was hanging on to a roster spot by a thread. I think I was in the back of my head. I always felt like I could play at a high level. And, and then I, I think in this league, just the more you're in it, uh, the more you play against, you know, starters and go through training camps and all that, you get more confidence. And I think, uh, you know, my first year on practice squad, um, being able to go against the starters every day, and I felt like I was holding my own. I think that's when I really realized, like, hey, like, mm-hmm. uh, there's no reason for me not to have confidence because, you know, what if I'm performing at a high level every day in practice against the starters every day, why, why couldn't I do it every Sunday? So um, I think, like I said, just every day, every game, you just gain more confidence. Um, you start to make plays, and, and then, uh, you know, like I said, you just get, get more, more and more confidence every, every time. First and ten, Bridgewater shotgun, deep shot, man there, right side, caught Thielen, ten, five, touchdown! Teddy Bridgewater to Adam Thielen, and the Minnesota Vikings take a 9-6 lead. It's a 44-yard hit. That's Paul Allen on Vikings Radio describing a Thielen touchdown. Thielen says he thinks other teams will likely now put a little more emphasis on stopping him. I, I don't think it has anything to do with the contract, I think, I think, I hope, at least, I think guys will see, you know, what I was able to do um, last year in, in the regular season and, and uh, you know, have a little bit of respect for, for my game and, and what I can do. Um, obviously, before last season, I didn't have a lot of opportunities. So, I mean, you can't blame people for not, not respecting me or not thinking that I can play until until you prove it on a, on game day on Sundays. You know, there's, uh, you know, you don't really have anything to back it up. So, I think now I have at least... Uh, some film and, and some things that can kind of back up uh, what, what people think about him. Thielen started his career on the practice squad for the Minnesota Vikings, and now he has a lucrative contract to show for his hard work. That's Adam Thielen on Minnesota Matters. Scott? Thank you, Mike. That is going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.